This episode of Performance Anxiety features Rachel Taylor Brown. We talk about her new album, Run Tiny Human, and the ideas behind it. We also talk about our mutual admiration of Seals and Crofts, Little Basketball, Slim Jim Sponsorships, and How to Overload a Friend's Toilet While on Tour. Give her a follow on Facebook. Check out her website, racheltaylorbrown.com. Don't forget to give us a follow at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram and rate and review us wherever you listen to us. Helps us out a lot. Thanks a lot and enjoy this episode featuring Rachel Taylor Brown. So I'm just saying, hey, this is Rachel Taylor Brown and you're listening to Performance Anxiety with yeah. you, with Mark Shea. If you want. Did I say that right? Hi, this is Rachel Taylor Brown. <laughs> Did they do that? I'm glad you're not going to make me talk about sports. No, I'm no, so, no. I mean, I'm... <laughs> Unless you last, want to. Well, I don't think I would know anything now. I was a basketball, like a Trailblazers fan for a while, but I don't think I even know. Oh, okay, Damian, Damian Lillard. Okay. And... Uh, He's not even my favorite player. <laughs> CJ McCollum. I think that was my favorite player. Okay. And see, NBA is, is one sport that I, I don't follow very closely. And I'm in DC. So the wizards just suck this year. They're just, I think they're tanking this year to get one of the um, crazy, insane kids from Duke this year. So in the draft, really? Oh, the, the wizards have, I mean, they're on, a, they're actually on a three game winning streak right now. But I think that's like their win total for the season so far. It's it's at most they've won like five games out of the first fifteen or twenty they played. It's just, it's disgusting. They don't have they don't have to win anything with that name. No, they've already they've already won <laughs> in my opinion. And I have to ask, where did that come from? Are they is this one of these teams that moved? Because didn't Washington used to have? Was it the Bullets? They were the Bullets. And then and they changed the name because of the name? Yeah, they they thought it was a negative connotation. but It is kind of. But, you know. It, but it's, so is a wizard. Well, it, <laughs> it can be. But, it, you know, if, they, if, you, if you think that the Bullets is a bad name, you've never been to D.C. <laughs> I mean, that, there are areas in there where that's a very appropriate name. Yeah, it was kind I mean, of it's, perfect. It's, yeah, it's kind of like Detroit. You know, it's... It's gotten, it's gotten better. It's gotten better. I mean, I'm surprised the Detroit uh, team isn't the Bullets. But it, <laughs> DC's gotten a lot better. But, I mean, it, you know, honestly, to me, it's just it's just a name. I'm not I'm, – I'm, I'm cheering for the team. I almost don't even care what the name is. I mean, my, well, I get, my favorite oh, team ahead. my favorite team in, in college uh, – my favorite sport's college football. And my, uh-huh. my team is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, oh, well, that's like a really good team, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I lived down there. My wife was born and raised down there. My brother graduated in 99. Wow. Uh, I, went, I went to Rochester Institute of Technology for photography. We, we didn't have a football team. So, oh. so when my brother – but I love the, football. The, the, that would be like the fighting cameras. Uh, or the computer <laughs> nerds or something. We, we, were the, we were the Tigers technically, but we, only, we had a hockey team. We had a, yeah, we had hockey. We had baseball and, and – Rugby, and and I mean we weren't very good at any of it until a couple of years ago. I think, I think the hockey team won the Frozen Four a couple about five six years ago. But that's about it. I have I have no idea what that is, but it sounds impressive. It's yeah, it's like the March Madness of of like Division Two hockey or something. I don't, I, don't, I really don't know. Tigers is a fearsome name. It I, is. 
I don't get wizards. What does uh, that have to do with Washington? I don't know. Nothing. That's what one, some of the, that's what everybody's issue was. It, first of all, it didn't sound you know, intimidating at all. And then no, no, not at all. <laughs> there's no, no connection to wizardry. I mean, maybe political wizardry in Washington. I don't, I don't know. That's flattering to that's, them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe that's what it is. But the Washington Go wizard, the Washington pot, Harry Potter's. <laughs> exactly. See, I think the that would Dumbledore's. be yeah, that would be more intimidating. <laughs> I mean. So- it's so humiliating, really. It's a terrible name. Well, the worst part about it was that when they first changed the name, they also changed the colors because the bullets were red, white, and blue. And they changed it to like... That makes sense. Yeah, well, the, when they changed it to the Wizards, it was like white and purple. And, <laughs> it, it, oh, it was just... Uh, I, now, I wasn't living in D.C. at the time. I, I lived in D.C. Or in the D.C. area as a kid, moved away, and... I never really got into basketball, so it really didn't bother me. But when I moved back, I, I started doing these podcasts with, my, with with a really good friend of mine, and um, it's I, I got more into DC sports. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of the Redskins or the Wizards, but I love the Nats, the baseball team, the Nats and the Capitals. I love those teams. Well, they so. and they kind of got the names right too. Oh yeah, I I forgot about the Redskins. Washington <laughs> Washington is. They're gonna to have to choose like another lame, oh. like wizard wizard like name for Redskins. <laughs> you know what they should? Uh, I mean, they've thrown about Warriors, as, but I mean the the problem is that like maybe maybe the rhythmic gymnasts or something. Oh well, synchronized <laughs> swimmers for football. I, I don't know. I can't think of. There's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing good's popping up right now. I, I'm just. It's, I'm at a dead end here. <laughs> I don't but, know though. Anyway, anyway, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've got. I've got nothing to say about the Wizards except I hope they get it. They, they draft one of the kids from Duke this year. Well, it sounds like they're on their way. Oh, they certainly are because so. they're absolutely atrocious. It's almost offensive to watch them play. It's disgusting. It's the worst basketball I've ever watched, and I don't watch a lot. So we better not let anyone hear this. Oh, this is going. All of this crap is going in. This is all going in because I don't the care. Poor wizards. They're oh. getting no respect <laughs> at all. I don't know what happened, but your screen just completely flipped. You're totally upside down now. Mine's this, sideways. That's this is so weird. I'm upside down to you now. Yes, you're completely. Upside you're looking down. at me. Oh what God. that just happened while I was talking? Yeah, I don't know what happened, but it just we were talking about wizardry. Oh, that's what it was. The the wizards were listening. It was their revenge oh on our God. mean conversation. <laughs> <laughs> they zapped the Skype machine. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! That's what you get. Yeah. So so you, okay. So you're not a big sports fan, but. Uh, you're obviously a big music fan because that's what you do. Uh, how? When did you? See- I, don't, I don't even know if I'm a big music fan. Sorry. Oh I no no. Like asked you finish your question. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know that I'm. Yeah, you. Know, I guess I am a big music fan. <laughs> I. But I'm not very up on it. Do you know what I mean? I I love music and I like. Uh, but I don't listen to music a lot myself and. Okay. I have 
very few things that I like to go back to a lot, but then I do go back to them a lot. And so my listening tends to be more things that, I don't know, I'm I'm a little embarrassed to say how little (laughs) new music I know. Well, that's that's not unusual, to be honest. I mean, and really? you like what you like. And, and you know, if, if I don't listen to the radio, I mean, my kids do, but I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you anything that came out in the, like, the past five years. Not even the Taylor Swift songs? No, because I'll get them confused with somebody else. I mean, I'll, rec- wow. I'll be able to recognize a song because when I'm in the, kid, the, the car with my wife and the kids, the radio comes on and and... and that's fine. And I can recognize the songs, but I won't actually be able to tell you who sings it. Now, there's a few there's a few exceptions, like bands like Fever Ray, um, uh, Battles. There's a few bands that have come out recently in the past few years that, that I really like. But Yeah, uh, I don't even know those names. That's embarrassing for oh, me. I'll give you so a whole list you, of, of stuff you need to check out. Uh, you should do that because <laughs> I need it. So what do you sing when you go to karaoke? Oh, I usually, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I don't do karaoke <laughs> ever, but I did take an improv, I didn't take improv classes. Oh, really? Comedy is something that I've always loved and, and I, I've always had an, an issue being out in front. I, I've, that's okay. one reason why I went into photography was that I could stay behind the camera and, Makes sense. and, 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 and shoot and, and be the guy operating the camera instead of the person on the other side. Sure. Well, my, my buddy and I started writing and um, we, were, we were writing scripts and all. We, we have a friend out in L.A. who's one of the co-hosts on my podcast, not the Comedy Central producer, but he's the other guy. Um, okay. his, his brother's an actor out in L.A. And a, oh. a fairly, I mean, pretty, fairly successful one. He, he played Lex Luthor in Smallville. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So That's uh, a tough gig trying to make it in LA. It sounds like he did it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's done some great stuff. He was also a, the he played Buddy Dobbs in Pastor. His name's Michael Rosenbaum. And Yeah, I know I know of him. Okay, yeah, his brother Eric is on my podcast. All right. The sports one. And um we we had a mutual friend who introduced us uh, and he said, "Hey, do you you know you guys are our mutual friend said you guys were writing. Send me you, you some stuff." So okay. we, we sent him some stuff and he really liked it. Now, obviously, since I'm still sitting here doing a podcast with no sponsors for free, none of it worked out. But my, my buddy Mike and I decided, you know what would really help our writing is if we took some classes on. But the, our thinking was not that we should take script writing classes, but improv. Okay. I don't know why that made sense then, but it Well, it kind of does. I, I get that. So, it would help with the freeing of the mind for the writing. Okay. Well, yeah, that's exactly why we chose it. And yeah. so we, we took the classes, and one of the first things they did uh, was they do these exercises to loosen you up. And one of the exercises, I think this was the second class. They didn't want to spring this on us the first one because nobody would come back. The second mm-hmm. class, they have everybody, in, and there's like 20 people in the class. It's not huge, but there's enough. They put you in a circle and one person goes in and you have to sing. Oh, you're sideways. You had to to sing. You had to sing. You could sing anything you wanted to. You could even make up a song if you wanted to. But you had had to sing. And you had to sing until somebody else came in and tapped you on the shoulder and took over. 
And the that's ex- a little, that's brutal. Yeah. But the exercise would not end until everyone got in. And so oh. we could have sat there the entire like two hour class and just waited for people and had one person sing for two hours if, if we were cruel, but <laughs> we decided not to. And, and he said, all right, we're doing this. He's like, this is, this is going to be a, a warm up exercise that we're going to do every few classes. So you guys better get over your fear. Oh. And so we did. And, and it's funny because I'm a, I'm a, like I said, I'm a big music geek. I, I've, I've got like in the next room, actually no, in, in this room that I'm talking to you in, I've got boxes. I have about almost 3000 CDs right now. Oh, yeah. I kind of love you for that. Nobody <laughs> keeps their CDs anymore. Oh, I do. I keep the CDs. I keep the jewel cases, all the artwork. I'm a big dork. Yeah. I like the physical thing too, and I love that you're a big dork for that. Oh That's yeah, great. I need I need the I need to be able to hold it, otherwise I don't own it. And then I need to be able to read who they thanked because I can find other great bands that way. That's a good point. So so I'm I've got all this music in my collection here, and it, I tap somebody. It's getting towards the end, and I'm like, I got to do this. I just got to get it over with. And I walk in and I tap the, the, whoever was in there, and. I can't think of anything to sing. Like I, I you tapped have, before you thought of your song. Yeah, because I figured I gotta get what this were you done. Thinking? I, I don't know. I just wanted to get you over thought it. Something you thought it would just come to you? I I fig- yeah. I figured something would come come to me. And I'm thinking of all the, these like obscure songs. And and part of it was to get people <laughs> to sing with you because you would start singing and and the rest of the group would recognize a song and to support you. They will sing along with you, and that's mm-hmm. kind of that. That's another point of it, is that it shows teamwork. Right, the one person goes out there and starts doing this, and the supporting characters come in, come in, and support you. It's a yes and theory. Okay, you accept what they're doing and you build on it. And okay. so, so you're supposed to go in there and you're supposed to sing, and they chime in with you. I'm but thinking you, of. You they, don't know any actual popular songs. Exactly. I can't think of anything, and I'm like. I can I can sing something by the band Super Furry Animals, or <laughs> Devin Townsend, or but nobody's gonna know this, and so I I jump in I'm like I just start singing Stairway to Heaven. Oh, that's a good one. That was the only thing I could think of, and, and everybody's just kind of sitting there going, "Wow, that's the one you chose." And then my the, oh, I think the, that's excellent. The instructors comes in and starts joining in with me, and then everybody else starts in starts coming in and I made a vow to myself that day I said next time they do this I'm going in and I'm just singing happy birthday no stairway and, to heaven was good well that, that's what I sang the first time but the second time I went in I'm like I don't want to go through that whole my mind blanking thing and picking out obscure songs from bands that nobody's ever heard of from 10 years ago I'm picking something everybody knows so did you I did and everybody ch- chimed in and they sang and and Nobody had picked it before or or on that one. So that, that's I, kind I, of astonishing. I was a winner there. Yeah, that's what I figured. I mean, if somebody picks it, I'm not gonna. I'll have to come up with something else, like Mary wow. had a little lamb or something. But I think you should have just stayed on the Zeppelin trajectory. <laughs> I would have loved Robert Plant. that. I should have gone with Black Dog and just started screaming that out. Oh my God! Can you imagine? Oh. That would have been brilliant. And I think Stairway to Heaven. And did you start with the? There's a lady. Um, no, because I couldn't remember that. The only thing that popped into my head was part about if there's a bustle in your head, Drew. I don't know why that one came into mind, but 
that's what <laughs> that that <laughs> that's the the verse that came into Wait my mind. Wait a minute, what was that? I don't think I knew that. Is that the word? Yeah, if there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. It's a, it's just a spring queen for the May queen. What does that mean? I don't know. It's Robert Plant. He was high. There's no telling. Oh my god! How did you remember that? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the verse I chose. It wasn't even the beginning. Wow. I don't know. I'm a that big took some. It took some moxie to just walk up there and <laughs> tap someone though, and then and really not have your your song chosen. Well, and that's that's the great thing about going to those classes is that that's I, I really kind of got over that fear, and so yeah, now yeah. now I'll. I'll I'm, I'll be at a, my day job and, and somebody will say something and I'll just bust into a song and start screaming at him. And it, it's, it's a blast. Wow. That's, that's, I don't know about that outcome. Oh, I, I can't sing very well. I'm, I'm horrible. I, I, I have no, no talent for singing at all. So, but you have the confidence now. Which, which yeah. Which, so I, I turned that into podcasts, which, you know. Oh, really? So, yeah. The podcast was a result of that? Class. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first one I did was basically just DC sports related and we actually got onto the local affiliate of ESPN. It's amazing. And they eventually sold the station and dropped every single podcast that they were doing. So, so then we oh, weren't on ESPN anymore. And I, I told my, yeah, well I told my buddies in LA about it and they thought that was the best thing ever because Eric's like, I want to do a podcast with you. Okay. So let's do a podcast. And that ended up being eight ball sports, which we're still doing. It's been a year and a half we've been doing it. So, wow, going strong. Yeah, we we we're on. We've done sixty six episodes as of this week. That's a lot. So, and they just yeah. hook up with you from L.A. That everybody just yeah. Well, Tommy's cheers each other. Yeah, Tommy's got his uh his own setup. So he records his end. I record my end. And and we used to be two people. Uh, on this end, me and me and my buddy Mike, and then two on the left coast. And Mike had his job got a little more demanding, got a better position, and he he doesn't have the time to do it now. So it's just me here, and then Tommy and Eric on the on the west coast. And they record their end, I record my end, and I mash it together in the computer, edit it somewhat, and then uh, release it. How frequently? Every week. Wow, that's. Once a week. A lot of work. And this one, I do this one every single week as well. Wow. I have a wonderful wife. <laughs> she's she's a saint. Because, in fact, it snowed today. You and I were speaking earlier. And, um, yeah. And I, you said I, the kids were out. Yeah, I had to actually call out of work because I made it about halfway. And I, I couldn't, I have to go over a mountain to get to work. And I, I couldn't do it. My car wouldn't make it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I turned around and came home and uh, had to, and, and, I've been working on researching for this show and also doing editing for the sports show to get that one out today. And mm-hmm. uh, I told my wife, she actually made it to work. She she works in town. I work 45 minutes away. And uh, she actually had to go in today. So I said, right, I'll work on dinner. And uh, I got dinner started. <laughs> and... She's actually in the process of finishing it right now. <laughs> so, oh, she so is a nice she, wife. She is. She's a saint. Beverly, I love you. Oh. She's a sweetheart. She, Beverly, he loves you. <laughs> so, so with all that being said, what at what age did you start playing music? Oh, gosh. Two. 
Wow, really? Maybe younger. That sounds so bogus, but it's true. (laughs) I grew up after four brothers who had bands, all of them, and who were musical. And my brother Jeff um, played the piano. My um, brother Joe played piano. And that was what drew me the most because that was in our living room and they would play it and I'd want to go play it after they played it. And so I, I started developing, picking up like little, probably just little melodies and things that my mom and dad might've sung or my brothers sang around the house or what I heard on the radio. I would just start learning them and trying to pick them up on the piano by ear. So really, really young, I started working on the ear, you know, without meaning to. I just wanted to play things on the piano. I didn't have any lessons. And so I just started trying to pick things out. And, uh, yeah. And then I got, I got, uh, my mom put me into lessons when I was six and that was horrible because (laughs) I didn't want to learn to read and I could, Uh... I had a good ear by that time. And so I would cheat in my lessons. Oh no. And I really didn't learn to read music until I was forced to, I guess, later in high school. Oh, really? But, okay. Yeah. But before that, I I would make up a bunch of, learn a bunch of things by ear on the piano, and I played in, you know, grade school talent shows. And oh, yeah. I believe I played Muskrat Love in a talent show. Captain and Tennille? Oh, thank you very much. Wow. Yes. All right. It was a very moving moment. <laughs> but, um... As all all there could attest. Oh my gosh! That was such a treacly, horrible song. I didn't try to do the little <laughs> road sounds or anything. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I remember that song. I remember when that came out. I was little, and, and my mom loved it. She played it all the time. Did she really? Oh my gosh! Yeah, my mom, is, is, who first got me into music, all my first records came from her. She would, she had, uh, she she would buy the record, listen to them, and then move on to something else and give him to me and my brother. So we Captain you know, and Tennille. Oh God. Well, he, here's my, my record collection at age eight was Beatles, rubber soul, Elton John's oh. greatest hits. Oh. Um, uh, Seals and Crofts, uh, oh Alan Parsons are, project. But these are great. Oh, I know. I know. I loved them. Um, I learned revolver the, Beatles revolver. Revolver's like one of my, favorite oh yeah of the beatles albums well and and rubber soul uh, led zeppelin four so you know stairway uh-huh. to heaven See? that That's, served you well later it, on it sure did <laughs> <laughs> little did she know she was gonna save my ass in improv one time that's right and but, seals and croft i'm sorry that they're like a really <laughs> underrated band i'm not you're laughing at me but if you listen to the chord changes in hummingbird in that song I gotta, They're insane. I've got to go back and re-listen to it because the only song I can honestly remember is Diamond Girl. Oh, that's a good one. That's the only one that I remember from, from that album. I remember Diamond the cover. Girl, dear, dear, exactly. Sure do See? No. Now we've got that and I'm going to release that as, as a Rachel Taylor Brown bootleg. <laughs> Rachel Taylor Brown does Seals and Crofts. One song, 10 I- seconds. I do have like a soft, a soft spot for them. I can't remember a whole lot of what they did, but I know that Hummingbird song, I actually looked it up recently because <laughs> the, the chord changes in it, especially in the outro as they're kind of ending the song, I think 
crazy. They, they really did weird, very, very unusual things. I'll have to check that uh, out again. Yeah, they're worth a second, a second listen, I think. But right. Elton John, you mentioned too, that was a big one for me. I oh, used yeah. to, those were the songs I would try to pick up by ear were Elton John and Billy William Joel songs. Oh, that's, that was a big one for me too. I love Billy Joel. My, my son, he's uh, 14. He's a huge Billy Joel fan. He, Really? He's got all my old Billy Joel vinyl. So. Oh, so do you have, for me, it was the early albums because my sister lived in Massapequa. She grew up, my sister-in-law grew up in Massapequa, Long Island. And oh, she, yeah. Long Island. <laughs> it was better than you think. <laughs> I tried. But anyway, <laughs> she, uh, she was living there and growing up and going to high school when when Billy Joel was playing around there, I think. Oh, wow. And okay. so she, she's just gave me all these really early albums like Street Life Serenade and oh. Turnstiles. I guess those aren't that early, but well, the, yeah, those, those, are, those are those are those are pretty early for me. I mean, it's not you know the Cold Spring Harbor where, where they you know right. released it at the wrong speed. Yes, he sounds like he's got this weird vibrato, that, chipmunk vibrato going that's, on. That's because they when they released it, they they mastered it at the wrong speed. Is that why? Yeah, and then he read released it at the correct speed years later, like in the 80s or 90s on when we came out on CD, they corrected it. I never knew that. And yeah. I thought, wow, listen to how he's evolved as a singer. <laughs> See, music geek. So, yeah. You're, that's actually a really vital piece of information because that was strange when I first, yeah. and I didn't like that album because no. of the weird vibrato. It was terrible. Yeah. That, and that's one of the reasons why he ended up going and, and, Playing in bars for for a couple of years after, which is that one then why he wrote this song, The Entertainer. This is all revelation <laughs> to me because <laughs> I thought for sure that he put out that album and someone came up to him and said, "Hey, Billy, <laughs> yeah, great album, it's really great, but God, you suck. You might want to you might want to sing with a straighter tone." <laughs> yeah. And then he was like all self-conscious for a couple of days and like, can I swear on this show? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then he was like, fuck off. And then he would go off yeah. <laughs> and he'd think about it for a little while. And he'd be in his room singing and going, <laughs> and then, and then he'd think about it some more. And, you know, like when a good friend tells you something and it hurts, you know, kind of, but you know, they're doing it out of kindness. Mm -hmm. And you know, so he kind of realizes my friend's trying to help me out here. And then he went and he started singing without the, <laughs> And then, and then he became a big star, and that was the story of Billy Joel in my mind. Oh, I've ruined like, your story, though. No, I mean it's it's just added to my story. Oh, okay. but how fascinating! That's a pretty bad goof. Yeah, that's... to have mastered something or put something out in an album at the wrong speed. Well, I think the record company did it on purpose, and that's why what pissed Billy Joel off. Why? And, uh, because he, that's not what he sounded like, and I don't know why they actually did it. I think maybe I, I, I don't know. I don't honestly. No, that's that's what I meant. Why would you do that? Was he a dick to them, or, or were they just being dicks? I I don't know. I, I'm not sure if if they thought maybe that would make him sound more attractive to a younger audience, or who? <laughs> I don't know. That that's just me throwing that well, BS out there. We all know the young people love. They love chipmunks. Yeah. <laughs> they, hey, the chipmunks were very popular at that time. 
Yeah, that's what we all in our youth. Yeah, we love we the, are all, we're all drawn. We're all drawn to that really super goat trill kind who, of soprano. Who doesn't love Alvin Simon and Theodore though? Well, I do. So, exactly. Yeah, but, what can I say? But that's one reason why the album wasn't available for so long. Well, that's very interesting. That's a really enlightening little bit of information and it's changed my whole <laughs> it's kind of rocked my world. Oh, wow. Wow. Man. But those two were very, very big for me. Elton John, you know, like Goodbye Yellbrick Road album and, um, oh, the one, the one with, uh, Someone Saved My Life Tonight. Oh, God. I don't, I don't remember. I grew up on the greatest hits. So I got to, I got to think about it. Um, that was on your greatest hits, I hope. Uh, was that on the greatest? No, was that, that was on, that's hits? not. That I don't think so. It, That's a travesty. It might be on volume two, which I didn't get until later. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, was it Captain Fantastic? Captain Fantastic and, and the, the Brown, brown Dirt, Dirt Cowboy. Cowboy. Um, I'm trying to remember his albums. I don't think it. I don't think it was on that. I'm trying to remember. Don't shoot the, the piano player. That's that's yeah. That's definitely an album. That might have been it. I don't know. But yeah, I learned. I learned all those by ear. That was like wow. training ground for me because those two were such big piano guys, you know. Oh yeah. And so those that that really I learned Italian restaurant scenes from an Italian restaurant by ear. Really? That's one of my yeah. favorite Billy Joel tracks, and my I songs know. too. Yeah, and I actually learned it from vinyl, so I dropped the needle over and over and oh, over again wow. to learn that. That's yeah. amazing. Good. I grief. I can still play it. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. That that that's awesome. It's so melodramatic, isn't it? It's it, like I love that song. It's so Long Island. <laughs> it that that song is typifies everything about Long Island. I like saying Brender. Yeah, really Brender and Eddie. Me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of my tell- grandmother. Everything my with my grandmother, she she had an idea. But she yes. she was born in Brooklyn. She's her parents are Norwegian and moved over here and, and lived in Brooklyn and she's from Brooklyn. So every, she had this interesting mix of like some Norwegian accents from her parents from the, when they were teaching her how to speak, but also Brooklyn. It's so much more interesting. I lived just four years in South Connecticut, just like a half hour away from the city. Okay. And, um, I really loved the color of, the voices, because it was like when for, in Oregon, you know, I'm born and raised here and I've lived here all my life except for that little bit of time. And it was so funny. We'd have all these messages on answering machine at that time oh, gotcha. this before voicemail. And and you get a call from a relative or a friend in Oregon and people sounded like they spoke so slowly for one thing. <laughs> and they almost and I realized, too, that we do have an accent. Over here, if you talk to to some people who've grown up in rural areas around Portland and in Oregon, it's almost a southern drawl. It's just oh, really? a really slow kind of delivery, kind of a lazy, a little bit of a lazy mouth, and okay. Uh, but you know, otherwise, we're pretty generic. You know, American newscaster sounding, <laughs> and. I love the accents 
I loved all the different accents that I came across when we were on the East Coast. You know, oh, the, yeah. you could hear it in the different ones, the different dialects and things in New York City. And then oh, yeah. you'd go up to Boston and you'd get a whole new thing. Boston. And, yes. And you go up to Canada, you know, oh, up yep. to Cape Breton and Halifax area and, and then to Quebec. And you'd, it was so colorful and you just made us sound bland as hell over here, <laughs> which we are. <laughs> uh, I, I lived in New Jersey for 13 years and yeah, it's, there's oh, definitely that accent. accent I love. I the love that accent. Joyzy. Yes. I really like oh, that accent. Oh man. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's its own beast. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it's just, it's, I worry about it going away. Have you noticed it? Um, has it, is it, oh, are people gosh. still speaking with strong Regional yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I, 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 in, in certain areas, like, like in, in New York, New Jersey, you're never going to get rid of that, that I don't, I don't even, I, I can't even just, I don't even know what the accent is called, but the South has the twang, the drawl. I mm-hmm. don't, I don't know what the Northeast has. It, it, it <laughs> sounds like pizza. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like pizza. It's, you know what the, Completely, that was evocative. <laughs> that really made sense, actually. Well, that's the only thing I could think of to describe that accent. I mean, yeah. it's or, or a cheesesteak, whiz, you know, whiz, <laughs> whiz, whiz, whiz or, I don't know. I don't know. I hate Philadelphia. Anyway, oh, um, oh. <laughs> I, I do. I'm not a big fan of it. Philly is a great town if you took everybody out of it. We didn't get over there that was like the one one of the major cities uh, that i wanted to see and that i never got to it is a great town it's got some amazing landmarks i see I, when i grew up in jersey i was in central jersey so i was an hour from new york city and an hour from philadelphia now wait that so that's like the real garden area yeah is that right because yep. i was stunned i had no idea how beautiful new jersey is oh yeah i lived in there were farms everywhere where I oh grew my up. gosh gorgeous just beautiful state oh, i had yeah. no idea no, everybody thinks it's the turnpike and the and the parkway, but no. it's it, there's a lot of rural areas there, and it's it's actually a beautiful state if you can stand the awful awful roads. Yeah, the roads are terrible. But yeah. anyway, so at at what point did let's let's go back to you here? <laughs> this podcast is becoming more about me, and that's no, it that's isn't. so weird. But at what point did you decide that you're you're a professional musician? Oh man. That's a question because I actually, I, long after I was performing music professionally as a classical singer, because that's that's where I really got my first professional gigs. I would say. Okay. I majored in music. Wound up majoring in music in um, college, and I I was still pretty new to what do you call it, legitimate instruction or whatever. I had a, a choir teacher who spoke to my parents and said, oh, there's this great singer in town, you know, Metropolitan Opera winner who had come into town who was teaching lessons. And I recommend you get your daughter in lessons with her. And that was my senior year in high school. And so I had like a a year of instruction and then, and then started auditioning for music schools. Oh, wow. And, um, Got a scholarship, got in and everything at, at University of Oregon School of Music and Dance. And I got out of that. I, I, I just kind of, you know, putzed around. I, 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 I 
was terrified the whole time because I felt like I'd faked my way in. I was like, it wasn't that I didn't have natural ability and I knew I did. And I'd been doing music all my life, but you know, I'd sneak into the practice rooms and I'd play, you know, the Beatles and, and (laughs) Elton John and things. And, and I'd try to avoid the work at hand as hard as I could. I would, I would avoid practicing because it made me nervous. I felt like each time I achieved something like winning a scholarship or being asked to do some, you know, great um, piece or something, a composition recital or, or a recital of any other kind, I'd think, Oh God, how did I, you know, how did I get here? And then you'd be all excited kind of, Oh yeah, I won. And then shit. Because now I have to practice and (laughs) be good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And to me, the feeling inside of me at that point was, I'm. It's a fluke every time this happens. I didn't feel confident enough in my abilities or my technique, you know, as a classical singer, as a soprano, Mm -hmm. to feel like I'm marching in and I know what I'm doing. And there were a million people like that down there, you know, who'd actually been studying voice for a long time and who could legitimately feel confident. And I felt like this hack who was maybe naturally talented as a singer, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And then I'd win or, or achieve something and it would freak me out because I just, I wasn't mentally there. You know, I wasn't ready to step into that. And plus I was, Besides being freaked out, no, I was going to make a joke and say I was lazy. I'm really not lazy. Um, I think I was willing to work hard, but I just didn't, the whole technical thing, the technique thing, it just freaked me out. I would even distract my voice teacher in the lesson. Oh, really? She was this, to most people, this terrifying figure, Exine Bailey. She was a wonderful, wonderful voice teacher, and she was like... She walked around like a, a ship, you know, she was just sort of, you know, she had this always very set hair and she was, um, she was imposing and she was a wonderful, wonderful singer, but she terrified people. And I usually get along with people like that pretty well. And (laughs) so I was her student. She was the one who asked me specifically to come down there and, um, I would just, I realized I could even with her as stern and forbidding as she could be, I could ask her if she wanted to have a cup of tea in our lesson (laughs) and then get her talking. And and then we just chat and I could chat the lesson away. Oh my God. And then, so I just sabotaged myself at every turn. Long story short, I just, I didn't take full advantage, but lo and behold, when I got out of, of, um, school and after, you know, I had been over east for that little period of time. I came back. A friend of mine from school who was a singer had started this wonderful choir called Capella Romana, which is kind of world famous now in this yeah, really I'm familiar weird with them. niche. Yeah. They do Byzantine chant and Russian, you know, these massive Russian Baroque pieces and contemporary Greek pieces. And yeah, it's really. Did they, uh, did, did they have a Christmas album out? Because I think. I've got, yeah. I think I have that. Oh, I might, I might be singing on that one, depending on which one you have. <laughs> I have to, I'll have to dig that up because 
I, I import this stuff on onto my computer and then it just stays on there. And uh-huh. so I'll be listening to stuff randomly and all of a sudden in the middle of July, a Christmas song will come up. Oh, that's terrible. And so <laughs> I hate that. And so so I, I'm pretty sure that happened recently and it was it was it was Capella Romana. So I'll have to I'll have to uh have to look that up. Yeah, but if it was a, if it was a Capella Romana Christmas album, you wouldn't recognize it as a Christmas song. Yes. <laughs> it would just be like, what is this? Well, see, I love that. I love that. See, yeah. I, I I actually I go to the, the traditional Latin mass, and so oh, I nice. I love the, uh, the the Latin singing, the the chants, and the the uh, Gregorian. It's just oh yeah, it's just so beautiful to me. But yeah, there's a beautiful choir in Portland that's also kind of famous called Cantoris and Ecclesia that Ooh. goes around and does that. You would love them. They're oh, a really man. wonderful choir. So I was looking, I was trying to do research on you. And it's okay. not not the easiest thing to do. <laughs> I will be a hundred percent honest with you. And I looked I looked up your band camp, and uh, it looks like you wrote your first song, and uh, it came out in nineteen forty eight, uh, <laughs> January to be precise. So it's almost forty seven. Um, and then there's a, a, a song that came out in forty nine, and then there's quite a gap mm-hmm. from forty nine to two thousand and six. <laughs> so I was just kind of wondering what you've been doing for 57 years. <laughs> I wrote a lot of lot, wrote a lot of songs and albums before birth, as you can see, yeah. <laughs> pre-birth. Well, you know what's funny about that is if I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the show. A couple of weeks ago, I released a show that I did with Richard Lloyd, the guitarist from Television. Oh wow. And he told me he was, I believe it was 3,600 years old. <laughs> and he remembers being born. Was he serious? No. Yeah, no, no. He was, he's dead serious. You said he was really 3,600 years old? I probably, you go, go and, and listen to that episode because it was, okay. it's probably one of these most insane <laughs> episodes I heard. I, we, we scheduled this episode uh, th- th- this interview and you know I told him it's like I told you it's just it's just two people talking and all and, you know some shows go 30 minutes some I, I, I had a, an, an artist on and we went two and a half hours so wow. just just depends on, on you however you want to talk mm-hmm. and so we started talking we talked about him as a child being you know he, he remembers he has birth memories being thirty six, no. yes, being thirty six hundred years old. However, the birth memories were from his most recent birth, not the three thousand years ago. Um, he told me about being a child and getting chemicals from the drugstore and blowing up a Chinese laundromat that was owned by what? his best friend's parents. What? Um, oh, it, it's a, it's crazy. We talked very little music for quite a while, and then we just started getting into the band television, and he's like. I'm just, I got to let you, I got to go in a few minutes. <laughs> uh, are you shitting me? Okay. Well, let, okay. Well, uh, I guess. So I started thinking like the story of television is pretty well known to people who like television. So I'm like, all right, let's talk about Matthew Sweet. You, you play with Matthew Sweet a lot. Let's, let's do that. Wow. So. Well, I'm so, 3,601 years old. <laughs> I'm slightly older than that famous person. I'm, you don't look it. I'll, I'll tell you, even upside down. 
Oh, well, thank you. I'm still sideways on my computer. I'm just sideways. Can you? Oh, I'm kind of slumping oh, down now, so you can only see like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see. I can see your from your neck up. There. There we go. I should lean in a little better. <laughs> Damn you, Skype! Oh, I your swear. controlling ways. <laughs> the wizards of Skype are just. As far as the dates on Bandcamp, I think I I'm not I'm not the most technologically able. <laughs> <laughs> and I think are you sh- really. I think there was one. I, I think I started putting in the first album or something, and I found that when I put in the second, and I was using the real dates, when I put in the second, it did something weird. Like it wouldn't actually put my albums in sequentially. Oh wow! And so I figured out that was my my novel and devious method to get around it. That I probably, if I knew better, I didn't need. But yeah, that is kind of confusing, isn't it? <laughs> it, it? Well, it's more interesting to me. I I I just wanted to know what was going on in that fifty-seven year gap. I just <laughs> well, thought, you know, you know, I had a couple. I had a couple naps. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, <laughs> you Rip Van Winkle did, huh? Eat some chips. Ah, there you go. Watch some TV. <laughs> <laughs> the very early days. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I was looking at some of your albums. Actually, I was looking at all your albums and oh, good. listening to them. And, and I saw one, the one that really struck me as so neat, so interesting was Seven Small Winter Songs. Oh. Because of what you wrote about it. Can <laughs> So it started out as a, as a kind of a challenge to you and a friend? Yeah, well, yeah, I challenged. I think we were talking about Christmas was coming and, you know, everyone jumps on that holiday album bandwagon. Yeah. Like, you know, at any point, it's sort of like the, it's as inevitable as the, as the sitcom episode where they go to Spain or Hawaii <laughs> or something, you know, it's yeah. like. Most people at some point are going to put out a holiday album. And so we were joking about that. And, you know, it's not like anyone would care if either one of us put out a holiday album, but we were saying, <laughs> we should do it. We should put out a holiday album, man. And and we're laughing about just doing it in a single day. And so I we kind of were just saying, yeah, let's we'll challenge each other and we'll we'll each write a holiday album in a single day. Oh my gosh. And so the weekend came and I had the time to do it. And, and so I contacted him and I said, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to seize the day. We're going to do it. And he was like, Oh yeah, I got to go over there now. So <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think he had more of a life than oh. I did. <laughs> so yeah, he didn't do it, but I decided I was kind of in the mood and I liked the challenge. And so I just sat down and, and started ripping through these songs and I really I don't really write that way. I um write when I feel like it and when an idea strikes me. I don't generally write by appointment. And so Okay. It was fun though. I had a blast and yeah, I wrote all of those in a matter of I don't know. It was just a few hours, a couple hours, few hours and I um forgot them promptly <laughs> and then 
went on and I was, I think, recording another album with Jeff Stewart Saltzman at that time. And, um, and then he suggested, I think, that I record the Seven Small Winter Songs. So I literally had to find the tapes that I'd, my little <laughs> memo tapes that I'd recorded the, the oh, ideas wow. on, and I had to relearn them because I'd completely forgotten them because they just were done in that one day. Oh, wow. And one lyric, I actually have never told anyone this, the December song that's at the very end, there's mm-hmm. this, all of the stars in the heavens stare at themselves in the river. And the original line I had written down was, all of the stars up in the heavens stare at the Seven Eleven. <laughs> and that was... And then I decided to change that, and it kind of altered the whole course of the song. <laughs> but I wrote that because my brother used to, my brother Joe used to leave shopping for Christmas till the last minute. Oh, and wow. there was a 7-Eleven or plaid pantry, as we have over here, too, that was down the street. And his gifts were the greatest gifts ever because he would wait till Christmas Eve. And then he'd go to the 7-Eleven, and he'd get, like, a six-pack of beer for one of my brothers, and he <laughs> My one of my most prized Christmas presents ever was a box, a full box of Smarties. Oh my god! All my own from the Seven Eleven. I just thought that was oh. that was a brilliant genius gift. That is awesome. It's better than yeah. like Slim Jims and circus peanuts. Oh, That's okay, okay. Then wait a minute now. Yeah. <laughs> You cannot put Slim Jims in the same camp with Circus Peanuts. Oh, uh-oh. Slim Jims are good. Slim Jims are good, but... Circus Peanuts, I, nobody eats those. Oh, You know what? When I was a kid, I actually liked them. But No. I did. I did. But then again, I, if it was candy, I'd eat it. It didn't matter. What do they taste like? I don't I, think I could even put one in my... They're like They're like styrofoam chewy styrofoam. Yeah, they're like chewy styrofoam. And I've eaten oh. that, too. So. Oh, Wow, I ate a, I ate all kinds of weird stuff as a kid. Usually, usually on a usually on a dare or something. That was one of those. You, you're not going to do that. Oh yeah, I am. I think that's the worst thing you can ask someone to do on a dare is to eat a circus peanut. <laughs> well, yeah, because now it's that's just like what diabetes tastes like. It's just, <laughs> it's just oh gosh. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Are you sponsored by Circus Peanuts? Uh, no, <laughs> no uh, it's diabetes. I'm, I'm sponsored by diabetes. You're sponsored by diabetes yeah. as well. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I got to get That's... some sponsors for this show. I don't know. You got any suggestions? I think diabetes is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> if I could contact them. I don't know where their headquarters is. I think it's somewhere think down you... south. I think we might have lost Circus Peanuts at this point. <laughs> Maybe. That's, to... That's possible. You might have to find another candidate for that. <laughs> yes, but we, you probably do have Slim Jims because I stood up for Slim Jims. That, you know what? I'm going to cut that section out and I'll send it to him. Say, look, sponsor me because <sighs> look at who I got and we're sponsoring you guys. And just imagine if, you, if they sent you cartons of free Slim Jims. Oh, that would be amazing. My, my kids would love it too. Oh, my gosh. My well, you have especially. to send some to me. Oh, ab- absolutely! I, I deserve a cut absolutely. of the Slim Jims. You got it. I, we'll do like a well. Since you actually really stood up for them, I was going to yeah. do like a seventy-five twenty-five, but we'll do fifty-fifty. Wow! 
I'm very generous. I'm pretty well. Hey, you're the first person to help me get a sponsor. So after you, everybody else can suck it. So. You're gonna have to let me know because that's that would be pretty <laughs> great if you did get some gyms now. All right, That'd I'm, be a major land. I'm going to do it, and I will CC you on the email. Okay, so. and then I'll get my box of Slim Jims. Exactly, exactly. My so. monthly supply of Slim Jims. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I was going through your music, I noticed that your early stuff is is the the, the music is very. Uh, I don't even know what the right word is. I don't want to say it's not sparse. It's 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 just kind of you and your piano, and it's very uh, there, there's not a whole lot of instrumentation to it. But as you progress into into um, uh, Falami and the new album uh, Run Tiny Human, you you added more instruments, and you know was that something that was conscious, or is that just a progression that that you've just been working towards? I don't think I agree because okay. like when I think of uh, for example Half Hours with the Lower Creatures and well in a couple of my albums you probably didn't see the first two Do Not Stare in Jonah Days were big you know there's like there's a number of big band uh, songs okay. and then also but they're more it was a little more you know folk singer songwriter but with these big pop moments kind of weird pop moments in them i mean at that point i i struggled against getting slotted in that kind of very narrow place uh, yeah with people people um i think are more open now toward eclecticism with music at that point lilith fair was happening for you know like when i put out my first albums and Okay. People really wanted, I think a lot of people struggled with women in music being uh, anything different. You know, there was this very okay. difficult, neat, there was, you were just by virtue of being a woman, you were kind of stuck in this niche of, you know, singer songwriter and, yeah. well, you know, yeah. it was hard to, to break out of that. But by my third album, I felt like, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't, I've never really cared to, I, I've always had the comfort of being able to really do what I want to do. Um, and by that time I was like ready to just say, fuck it. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. Um, yeah. and I started working with someone who meshed very nicely with that philosophy of life. <laughs> um, so that, and that would be Jeff. And that's not to say that I didn't work with people who, I feel like brought out things in me in my first two albums too, because I did both Larry, who I recorded my first album with, um, I'd never recorded anything, you know, and he was helping me out and he was this really just naturally talented, gifted guy at a lot of instruments and a lot of, um, he had this studio that he'd built by himself and oh wow, he was, he was incredibly encouraging. Um, and I'm proud of that first album. Very few people have heard it, but I'm proud of it. And then um, on my second on Jonah Days, I worked with Rob Stroop, who's produced a lot of albums in the Portland area and is now living down in um, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. He's got a studio oh, yeah. down there. Okay, yeah. cool. 
And he has a band that um, he's in with his wife called Moody Little Sister, and they they travel quite a bit and they perform around. But Rob was just a dream to work with. He was just super, you know, he, I envy people who are very type B, you know, and just <laughs> he, especially in music, it's hard to be that way and to be doing something like running a recording studio. Yeah, and I can imagine. He's an incredibly creative person and talented musician and everything, but he still managed to create an environment, you know, that was very conducive to creativity and things like that. But Jeff, I met um, mastering those albums and he's his natural instincts musically because he's a was a songwriter at one time, too. He hasn't been doing it for a long time, but he's very good. His natural instincts and mine, I think, aligned better than with anyone else. And so, yeah, um, that album I recorded Ormalu with him was very sparse. So maybe that was one of the ones that's, you were thinking about. That's the first one that, that I, the first one after the year 40, 57 year gap that, that I saw. <laughs> so, so yes. that maybe that's where I'm, I'm getting a little confused with some of the, with, with some of your releases then. Well, I wrote that album to test out, um, you know, how Jeff and I work together, basically. Oh, okay. and, um, so it was pretty sparse. And we both, our approach to it was, you know, it was clear that that's, that's what it called for, those songs. That we wanted that very skeletal kind of approach. That's the word. Yeah. That's so, the best word. But then in Half Hours of Lower Creatures, there's a song called Stag Field, and there's... Um, Beautiful Savior and and Abraham and Isaac and those are all pretty grandiose, (laughs) (laughs) for lack of a better word. They're I have I like I have these polar opposite instincts where I like really sparse things, but then I think I imagine when I'm writing some of these songs that they're all out arena rock songs. Not that that. (laughs) The likelihood of me ever playing an arena is extraordinarily low, but that (laughs) is what I, that's what I hear in my head is, you know, so I write these, I have these grandiose kind of huge songs that uh, are smack dab. And I like that juxtaposition. I like having really small, quiet things next to more, you know, giant things. Oh yeah. Since we're talking about recording studios, have you ever had any weird things happen while you're recording or, or, or out touring or playing. And I love hearing yeah. these behind the scenes stories of like, Oh yeah. You know, I ended up you know, having to sing with my head in the toilet or something. Oh God, that would be terrible. It, yeah, that was, How, did you actually have someone that? No, I, I embellished that one a little bit. It was, a, they, they had their head in a piano to get the, the sound that they wanted. And then they found oh, out that's cool. Yeah. It, it was actually uh, Peter Hayes from black rebel motorcycle club. And then he said that it was actually just as good to stick reverb on it. He kind of did the same thing. So he well, was kind of disappointed I, with that. The most of the touring that I've done was with a band called fear of heights. Um, and my friend Chris, and he was very, very, you know, one of these rare birds who can, who's talented musically, but who also has the kind of organizational skills that a lot of musicians do not have, including (laughs) myself. And that you're sort of called on now. We're all called on to the do it yourself era, you know, to have these skills. And I'm sorry. I just, 
I don't. <laughs> but he does. And he had this band called Fear of Heights. And he, we toured um, the West Coast. I toured five or six times with him, I think. Oh, cool. And um, so most of my stories come from him because the one tour that I that I went on, where I just had him and, and my friend Ben tour with me, I had a gig booked in Oakland or San Francisco, and it was this little cafe, and we drove all the way down there. It wasn't our only gig, but I only had like three gigs booked on this tour, I think. <laughs> okay. We drove all the way down there from Oregon, you know, from Portland, and walked into the cafe, you know, exhausted, ready to play. And this really, really intimidatingly hip girl looked at us and said, Oh, yeah, we're not doing music anymore. Oh, what? <laughs> that was it. Just like oh, really. And, and I think my jaw just dropped and I was staring and she said, yeah, we sent you an email. And I said, no, you didn't. Oh, <laughs> you didn't send me an email. Oh, oh, my God. So I have this commemorative photo of us flipping off the Mama Buzz Cafe. <laughs> so nobody go there. I don't think, I think they, they're not there anymore. Yeah, right. It worked. <laughs> That's right. Man, these I wouldn't have said their name. I wouldn't have said their name if they were still there. <laughs> All right. Maybe I would have. Maybe. <laughs> well, they deserved it either way. But, um, I had, as far as being on tour with the, with the fear of heights, we stayed one time. Um, I had a friend who was, like the director of the sleep studies program at Stanford. Okay. And he let us stay in one of their labs. You know, you, you're always, <laughs> <laughs> you know how you, you're always looking for homestays and places to crash when you're on tour. Right. So he let the band stay in this lab and, and it, we were each of us in, in this, each of us was, had a room of our own with this cutout hole, you know, <laughs> behind your head where you lay down, like so probes, I guess, could be put into your brain okay. and, and people could monitor <laughs> you while you sleep. And fortunately, no one was actually actively monitoring anyone, but it was freaky. It was late at night, you know, because gigs go, we've been playing in San Francisco. Okay. And, and we drove out to Palo Alto and we stayed in the sleep lab on our way to our next gig and my friend was very nice and getting us set up in there, but we all went to our separate chambers of horror. <laughs> <laughs> and the weirdest thing is because I am a very, uh, uh, I have an overactive fight or flight syndrome, you know I mean? It's like okay. our fight or flight instinct. I'm, I'm usually, it's, it can be very difficult for me to relax. I had the best sleep I've ever had in my life. Really? <laughs> Paradoxically, <laughs> in that in that sleep lab, I don't know why, and everyone else really hated it. Oh I heard from God. the band the next day. They're like, "Oh, never again!" Because they were just <laughs> they had the willies totally from it. Oh, I think wow. we were woken up the next morning by the staff too, so that was a little unsettling. <laughs> hey, get out! What are you doing? Yeah. Here? Who they didn't you? know we were. They didn't know we were there. Oh, God. This is such a like three homeless people this is, <laughs> yes. broke into the broke into the sleep lab to get to uh, take a nap. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. But that... um, <laughs> yeah, that was one of our most. We had a lot of memorable 
homestays. One of them, another poor, wonderful friend of mine in Seattle who had this beautiful home on the water. I don't remember what part of the water, like if it was Lake Washington or whatever. Extraordinarily generous and letting us stay there. I was the only female in this band. Okay. And so I was the one who would like write thank you notes. And <laughs> yeah. I hate to sound stereotypical, but you know, I, I was be fussing about things being cleaned up and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and so I'd always take a last tour of someplace, especially if it was a friend of mine whose place we were staying at. And somehow the loads of the boys had overwhelmed the system. Oh, God. and so we and we were heading down to a gig we were on a deadline so we left i was horrified i'm just horrified we did everything possible we used plungers we did everything within our power there to take care of it ourselves and it it was just it was coming up in the showers (laughs) it was a nightmare that's impressive and so we just left the world's biggest apology. I called her, you know, we oh were, uh, it was a real terrible. What the hell were they eating? <laughs> burritos usually. Oh, gee. <laughs> lots and lots of burritos. <laughs> so you've just released in the past month, your latest album, Run Tiny Human. Yes. So how did that get started? I know uh, I had read that that was the result of a dream that you had? Just one song. Okay. Uh, the Little Gyre, the one about the, the, the third song on the album mm-hmm. is kind of screamy. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was I was the one where I was thinking just idly as I was falling asleep I was thinking about the space garbage going around the earth and then I was thinking about the ocean garbage you know mm-hmm. doing its little whirlpool eddy kind of thing <laughs> yeah. and I was picturing the space garbage spying the the ocean garbage I just was thinking about um, I was just wondering at, you know, wow, we've actually managed to fill space with garbage <laughs> and we've actually managed to fill the ocean with garbage. And we pretty much, we, you could say we've filled land with garbage as well. Yeah. So we've just managed to make, we've, we've generated so much garbage that we've filled space, land and sea, which is an achievement of sorts. <laughs> with Slim Jim wrappers. <laughs> oh, there goes our sponsorship. Now I'm not. I'm gonna cut. I'm not gonna add that in the email. Yeah, yeah. Take that out because yeah. we want the slim gems. That's right. That's right. Unwrapped slim gems. No, no. I, I mean, I'm sure their wrappers are completely biodegradable. <laughs> Very good. Yes, I am sure so, too. I, now I will just edit those together, and then <laughs> the yep. money, money just roll right in. And yeah. that's such a clever solution too. Exactly. The beauty of basic editing, which is all I know. <laughs> basic, very basic editing. So, so tell me a little bit about the album. Um, is there a kind of theme that runs through the album? Is, is this, is the space junk, sea, water junk, uh, garbage 
a theme that runs through it or is it, or is it um I know you put out albums that are just kind of collections of of other songs that you'd written previously. How long did it take to get everything together and and get it out to everybody? I usually think for I mean for me I think of albums as one. So, you know, I don't I want the songs to hold up on their own, but I do when I when I imagine people listening to one of my albums, which is hilarious because no <laughs> hardly anyone does this anymore. Well, it, one, hardly anyone listens to my albums, and two, <laughs> okay. definitely hardly anyone listens in the way that I would, you know, that I most fantasize about, which is, <laughs> oh, you sit and you listen carefully from the first note all the way to the end, because that's, in my head, it's one big song, you know, it's right. one big piece, and most of my albums are thematic or concept albums in that way, and so this one, yeah, I mean, it it's and and they reflect what what's in my head and this one is just kind of about all the shit going down all the um all the shit hitting the fan like it is with humanity and kind of things catching up with us um in terms of the garbage climate change uh uh in America mm-hmm. uh the way we've navigated the world you know our hubris and our our just obnoxious exceptionalism and the i feel like we're that weird relative of the rest of the world that's been allowed to go their own way (laughs) (laughs) and we have no concept how weird we are and how bad we've gotten do you know what I mean? I I can I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm I understand what you're saying. And everyone around us is looking at us aghast and like kicking themselves because they didn't put a stop to it earlier. Or, you know, they were too indulgent with their idiot child. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they and now they're going, oh no. Why didn't we, <laughs> why didn't we say something sooner? Cause now, you know, look at what they're left with. So it, it, it's, we should have been, they should have had corporal punishment on us. We should have been spanked. Maybe we totally should be, we should be spanked now. <laughs> but see, now we probably would like that. <laughs> That's a good point. So... <laughs> We should be spanked in a way that we don't like. <laughs> like Our, okay. I don't know how we'd figure that out. I, I, don't, I don't know. Trial and error. Probably, yeah, and we would probably enjoy that too much <laughs> as Americans as well. Oh, man. Well, but it's about, it's about, yeah, to me, it's not just, I don't know. I feel like the songs in the album were written from a very, some of them from a very um, local point of view. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the issues that I'm addressing that are all a little apocalyptic, you know, translate to America and then to the greater world as well. Because we're all, unfortunately and sadly, facing, you know, the polar ice caps melting and, and climate change and the, you know, the <laughs> the delightful resurgence of fascism, which was something I never thought I would see in my time. And, uh, so the, you know, places getting more populated, more crowded. Um, it's stuff that, 
whether you want to experience it or not, and whether you're really responsible as a source for it or not, the whole world is experiencing it now. It's like those little countries that, you know, they haven't been flying on weekend trips to Paris every weekend. You know, they have they haven't been eating prepackaged food all their lives and tossing yeah. it on the heap. But they're the ones that the water's rising up on, and you know, like subsuming their island and the place that they live. Yeah. So Americans, yes, our our impact and our our touch extends beyond. So so far beyond us. <laughs> it's like a blessing to the world. <laughs> that sounded sarcastic. I'm not really good about that on that stuff, but it sounded a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well the album's really compelling and it's it's oh, I really you. enjoyed listening to it. I'm I've enjoyed getting to know your music. Um I'm I'm glad that that we were able to connect. Uh where's what's the best way to for people to pick your albums up? I mean and you know, your, your brand new one and then go check out your back catalog. Um, Bandcamp. Okay. Is the best place. I support Bandcamp and they, um, they're a little better for musicians as far as the compensation and what you get if someone's deciding to buy an album or a CD and you can just do digital or you can buy hard copies depending on the artist there. So yeah, just look me up on Bandcamp. Oh, awesome. And it, it's not notorious RTB. It's it's Rachel Taylor Brown. Yes. All right. Is Although, there a notorious RTB? I think there is now. <laughs> that, that's that's my new nickname for you. Um, okay. Is there? Are you now? Are you on social media where people can follow you on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that? Just Facebook. Facebook was all I could bear. <laughs> and I do have a I do have a BAM page on there. Yeah. Okay, well that's good. Um, and do you have a website where where people can uh, sign up and get get news from you? I do, and I do think people can sign up, but I don't know if it works or not. <laughs> <laughs> it might be broken, but yeah, it's just racheltaylorbrown.com. dot com. Oh, so awesome! You should be able to find me there. That's pretty easy to remember. Um, I've been updating it and everything. Oh, that's good. That's good. And uh, you mentioned that. You know, technology wasn't exactly your thing, so that's good. No, I yeah, I even have to do a little bit of what do you call it? You know, HTML. What you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't I don't really I, know what I'm saying. I don't really know. But I do it, and it's hard. <laughs> oh well, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate your your talking to me and letting me go on as much as I did about wizards and stuff. Oh, that was great. Wizards and Slim Jim. <laughs> <laughs> then that could be a band or, or a new album for you. Oh, God. That's like something Seals and Crofts would write. <laughs> wizards and Slim Jim. That, that's, oh, man. All right. Now my brain's turning. I don't know, I gotta, I'm going to have to do something with that. I've kept you for quite a while tonight, so I'll, I'll let you know. No, I kind of kept you. I'm sorry. I blabbermouthed to you. Well, you're very easy to talk to, so you're on the right track. Oh, well, thank you very much.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 